Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, BrainsOn listeners. It's Molly. And Sandin. And Mark. And as you know, Brains On is powered by your questions, ideas, and mystery sounds. But we're also powered by your support. Brains On is listener-driven, meaning listeners, you help us do what we do. And since you love the show, we're asking you to help us keep it going. Just go to brainson.org slash donate to find out how. Here are some fans who have already helped out. My name is Gavin, and I'm from Portland, Oregon. And I'm Max, Gavin's brother. We donated to Brains On because we really enjoy listening to it. If Brains On is something you like, too, consider giving like we did. Thanks for a great program. Yeah. Thanks, Brains On. We love making this show. It's our favorite job ever. And when you support the show, it totally makes our day. And to thank you, we've got some really rad gifts, like Brains On headphones, color-changing water bottles, and a coloring book. Oh, don't, don't don't forget the cool new electric blue shirt we just had made. Uh, Sandin, I think it's more of a teal. It's kind of more like blue raspberry. Anyway, you can see it for yourself at brainson.org slash donate. Thanks for the support and stay, stay curious. curious. <laughs> Is that weird? It's okay. We'll edit it. Okay. We'll edit okay. it. Okay. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. This is the fourth episode of our series on electricity, and that means it's time for another stop at the Electric Games. Welcome back to this broadcast of the Electric Games. We've seen feats of daring, leaps of knowledge, and bracing moments of insight. But it's time to take a moment to meet one of the game's unsung heroes, Scrabonius Largus, Team Doctor Extraordinaire. Uh, happy to be here. Tell us, Scrabonius, what is the key to success in these games? Oh, well, you know, it's all about drive, giving 110%. <laughs> That's mathematically impossible. Your support of the team is inspiring, but we want to know more about you. Just who is Scribonius Largus? I don't like talking about myself, but here goes. I was the court physician of the Roman Emperor, and I think I got recruited to be team doctor here thanks to a fish. A fish? Do tell. Well, one of my patients was having some pain, so I sent him to walk in the cool waters of the Mediterranean. Hmm. It sometimes helps. Well, in doing so, he stepped on a fish. And not just any fish, a torpedo ray. (gasps) It sent a tingling sensation up his leg, and his pain was gone. Remarkable. I started keeping tanks of these fish in my office, and you can guess the rest. Elbow pain? Stick it in the tank. Foot pain? Stick it in the tank. 
Headache? That's right. Dunk that whole head in there. Incredible. It is. And actually, electric stimulation is still used to treat pain today. You know... Hey, Doc! How exciting. It's Thomas Edison, a competitor here at the games. Yeah, Eddie? My knee is killing me after that race. You're tank-free? Sure is, champ. Gotta run. Thanks. Great talking to you. No, no, thank you, Scribonius Largus. Thank you. That's it for these electric games. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and this is the fourth and final installment of our electricity series. It's been electrifying. And that's Hobte Martone. He's been my co-host for this series. Hi again, Hobte. Hello. During our last episode, we heard the tale of Luigi Galvani and Alessandro Volta. Volta invented the battery and changed the world. And pushed Galvani's ideas about animal electricity aside in the process. But Galvani was onto something. And his nephew, Giovanni Aldini, wanted to prove it. Thanks to the invention of his uncle's rival... Alessandro Volta's battery, Giovanni Aldini traveled around doing public exhibitions of what an application of electricity could do to dead tissue. Now, this is all a little creepy, but he would take an ox head and make it stick out its tongue, or he would take dead bodies designated for scientific research and make them wave to the crowd or open their eyes, all by strategically applying charge. So while Aldini's experiments were definitely disturbing, They were also memorable and captured attention. Aldini was not the only scientist doing this sort of gruesome puppeteering, and it was these displays that partly inspired the book Frankenstein. And about 50 years after his uncle Galvani's death, the technology had advanced enough that scientists could actually measure the electricity in a frog's nerve or muscles. Frogs, the real heroes of electricity research. And thanks to frogs and many, many scientists working over many years, we know a lot about the electricity that makes our bodies work. Electricity makes our hearts beat. It makes our muscles move. It flows through our nerves. Which leads to this excellent question. My name is Dorian. I would like to know how your brain could make electricity. Right. How do our cells make electricity? Your body is made up of lots and lots of atoms. And atoms are made of protons, neutrons, and electrons. Protons have positive charges, and electrons have negative charges. Some atoms have a negative charge, some have a positive charge, and some are neutral. The cells in your body have more positively charged atoms outside them than they do inside them. So the inside of your cell is slightly negatively charged, and the outside is slightly positively charged. And when a tiny opening called a pore opens in the cell, a charge is created. This happens because the positively charged atoms and negatively charged atoms move toward each other, creating a quick change in charge. And these pores open up thanks to chemical signals. So it's a little chemical electrical chain. Neurologist Jarvitek explained that that's what happened with neurons, for example. Those are nerve cells. At the end of the neurons, it releases the chemical. That chemical flows across to the next neuron, and it causes a chemical change there that leads to electricity and on down the line. And this happens really fast. Milliseconds. There's a thousand milliseconds in a second. So yeah, that's fast. But the way the body, the way the nerve, the brain helps to make conduction faster is by insulating the nerve. So if you take a wire, for example, that doesn't have an insulator on it, uh, it's going to conduct slower than a wire that does. And that's called myelin. 
it's a fatty deposition that goes around the nerve and it keeps it kind of snug so the electricity can't leak out and that's how they move faster. So some cells are faster than others. When your brain sends a signal to another part of your body, it travels down a chain of neurons. And in your brain is a huge web of neurons. Electricity is important to most cells in your body. But some areas use it more actively than others. Your brain and nerves are a hotbed of electrical activity. And so is your heart. Brains On producer Mark Sanchez is here to tell us how and answer this question. Hi, my name is Matthew King. I live in Oak Point, Texas. My question is, how does your heart beat to keep you alive? You probably know the sound of a heartbeat. But what's making that sound? Your heart is made of four chambers, two on the right and two on the left. There's a right atrium and a left atrium. These are where the blood comes into the heart. And then there's a right ventricle and a left ventricle. Those are where the blood leaves the heart. One of the jobs of your blood is to transport oxygen all around your body. And where does your blood get this oxygen? The lungs. So blood stops by the lungs and gets filled up with oxygen. It then travels from your lungs and goes to the left side of your heart. The left side of your heart then pumps it out to the rest of your body. Then, once its oxygen-delivering duties are complete, the blood comes back into the right side of the heart and gets pumped into the lungs to get some more oxygen. And this cycle keeps happening over and over and over again. Lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub. That lub-dub sound is the valves between the different chambers in your heart as they open and close. It's the valve's job to make sure blood is going where it's supposed to go. The first sound, that lub, it's quieter and is made by the valves that sit between the bottom and the top chambers on each side of the heart. The second sound, the dub, that's coming from the valves that open to the rest of the body. Lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub. And this cycle I just described is electric. Well, electricity is the main driver of all components of heart and, in fact, of all muscles everywhere in the body. Dr. David Bennett is a cardiologist at the University of Minnesota, so he knows about hearts. In the heart in particular, uh, there are special cells. These cells that start each heartbeat are located in the right atrium. And these particular cells are called sinus node cells. And they fire uh, in healthy people on a regular basis. So that set of cells then signals the rest of the heart muscle uh, to operate in like fashion. And this electrical signal starts in one part of the heart and travels to the rest of the heart through a network of fibers. You'll see this net, it's visible to the eye. Um, If you look inside a heart chamber, you'll see a net of these lighter colored fibers. The heart muscle is sort of a brownish red color. But inside are these special conduction fibers, which tend to be a little whitish red. And so it's a network, kind of like a massive telephone network. Uh, And this electricity goes through to get to all parts of the heart muscle at roughly the same time. So the whole electrical network is designed to make the mechanical contraction as efficient as possible. 
Okay, Hobte, I know my heart is beating faster, and that's because it's time for the mystery sound. Here it is. Okay. Any guesses? I there's a low note and a high note. Mm-hmm. And it is it and it can be an animal that can make very low and loud notes and very high. Notes. That is an an excellent guess. We're going to be back with the answer in just a little bit. Did you know that some dolphins create their own names? They actually make up signature whistles that they sing so others know it's them. That's not interesting. What is interesting is that octopuses have super intelligent limbs. Most of their neurons are in their tentacles, not in their head, so their arms can solve problems while the rest of them are doing something else. Ah, boring. Dolphins are so smart they even use tools. Bottlenose dolphins put sea sponges on their noses to help them dig fish out of the sandy seafloor. Seafloor? Octopuses are the kings of the seafloor. Fossils show that they've been roaming the ocean bottom for 296 million years. Well, they can't match a dolphin's speed. These animals can swim up to 20 miles per hour. Octopuses have actual blue blood. Okay, settle, settle. As you've probably guessed, Mark and Sandin are busy prepping for our next debate. Dolphins or octopuses? And they could use your help. Send either side your best arguments and facts. We'll play our favorites during the show. And you can tweet or Instagram drawings of either side. Just tag at brains underscore on. And go hashtag Team Dolphin. Or if you want to be on the winning side, hashtag Team Octopus. We're excited to hear your thoughts on this epic debate. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Hopte Arthur Martone. And I'm Molly Bloom. Okay, Hopte, are you ready for that mystery sound again? Yep, definitely. Here it is one more time. Okay, so these are two different sounds put together into one file. But they're made by basically the same kind of thing. So what? Two different types of flies. Ooh, two different types of flies. I like that guess. Let's call a scientist to find out the answer. 
Okay, so my name is Graciela Unges, and I am a professor in the Department of Biology at New Mexico State University here in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So Graciela, can you tell us what did we just hear? Okay, so you thought there were different types of flies, huh? Yep. Okay, so uh, there are actually two different types of electric fish. So what was that sound that we heard? So the sound was, what I did is I have these two completely different uh, types of electric fish in their tank, and they're just swimming along, and I inserted an electrode into the tank that I connected to a speaker, just something that you can get at any, you know, any shop. And uh, basically what I was hearing was their discharge of, uh, of their electric organ. That is amazing. <laughs> that, I did not know that fish made sound. <laughs> yes. We have a lot more questions for you about electric fish, so we are very glad you're here. What are electric fish and where do they get elect- the electricity? Okay. So first of all, let me tell you how to that this is the most nervous I've ever been. Okay, for an interview. I'm so used to talking to my peers, you know, older people. Uh, but the most unexpected questions come from people your age. So, okay, so what are the electric fish and where do they get electricity? So electric fish are just like any fish, like salmon, but they are the only ones that have very, very specialized structures, uh, sometimes in their tails, sometimes in their chest, sometimes, you know, where the stomach is. And what they are are these uh, thousands and hundreds of tiny cells that basically produce electricity. So all the cells together are called an electric organ. And only electric fish, that's why they're called electric fish, only these fish have those specialized cells. No other fish have them. Nice. <laughs> are these fish similar to electric eels? Well, an electric eel, uh, even though it's called an eel, it's actually a fish. So the electric eel is very famous and is very popular because it generates um, up to five, six hundred volts. That's like 50 to 60 times more than what your car battery generates. And so... What? Yes. So it generates a lot of electrical power. Why don't electric fish electrocute themselves? It's a really fascinating question, and it's a really good question. Everybody wants to know, including myself. You have this electric fish in the same tank with other fish. They're in the same water. The electric eel can generate 600 volts of electricity, and it can totally immobilize a small fish. And in fact, that's how they eat. They deliver a huge shock and the fish basically becomes immobilized, and then they can eat them alive. Now, the, we do know that when the electric eels deliver their shock, they actually twitch. You can actually see that they twitch. So we know that they can feel it, but they don't kill themselves, and they don't hurt themselves. We think that because their brain and their heart and their more essential organs are very close together, uh, they may be uh, protected by maybe some tissues so that they don't kill themselves. That is what most people think. Uh, there are other ideas that are out there, but we still don't know. Why are some animals electric and some not? 
actually, you know, one little secret is that all of us, including you, you generate electricity. It's just that it's very small. So your heart generates electricity. Your brain generates electricity. Your spinal cord generates electricity. The difference of these fish is that they have, in addition to that, um, they also have these very, very specialized cells, the electric organ that no other animal has. How do animals use electricity for navigation? That's one of the specialties of these electric fish. Basically, it's a field of electricity that surrounds them. So imagine you uh, walking around, say, with a hula hoop or inside a ball. That is your field, right? And you're walking around. If you bump into anything, that ball will get distorted. And so you know, ah, there's something there. And it's a great uh, way for them to navigate because the water that they live in, they get very little light, so it's hard to see. And so they now generate this feel that anytime it's distorted, they know where things are. And they can also detect electricity from other fish. So they know if it's a live animal or if it's a rock or if it's a plant. Can sharks sense humans from miles away with electricity? <laughs> um so sharks are awesome animals, okay? Uh, and unfortunately, we tend to be very afraid of them. But they also have these specialized receptors that we call electroreceptors all around their skin, along the sides of their face and, you know, down their body. So they can detect electricity. However, they actually, sharks, have an amazing acute sense of vision and smell. So they can see up to 100 feet away. They can smell also very far. So what we think is that it's a combination of all the receptors that make them so good, uh, not just their electroreceptors. Fish and sharks aren't the only animals that use electricity. In fact, you can find electric animals all over the tree of life. The platypus, an egg-laying Australian mammal, has a duck-like bill that's full of electroreceptors. It swings its bill back and forth in muddy waters, sort of like a metal detector to find prey. And the oriental hornet actually makes its own electricity from the sun. It has specialized pigments in its stripe that convert sunlight into electrical energy, which they can then use to help them dig their nests in the ground. Electricity is very important to our bodies. It sends messages through our neurons. Makes our hearts beat. And our muscles move. And animals have some pretty amazing electrical skills. From sensing prey from far away to defending themselves from an attack. That's it for this episode of Brains On. And for our series on electricity. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Wu. We had production help this week from John Lambert, Lauren D., and Emily Allen, and engineering help from Cameron Wiley, Corey Shreppel, Edmundo Resmendez, and Ryan Roberts. Many thanks to Rahel Haile, Leah Martone, Robert Martone, Crystal Barber, Juliet Burba, Stephen Smith, and Bob Collins. Brains On doesn't use turbines, wind, or battery to power the show. We are fully charged by the questions, mystery sounds, and drawings sent in by you, our listeners. And because of your fabulous curiosity, we give you a little shout-out. Here's the latest list to join the Brains Honor Roll. 
Matthias from Richfield, Minnesota, Drew from Richmond, Virginia, Aaron from Rochester, New York, Sophia, Xander, and Vivian from Allen, Texas, Lucas from London, Jackson and Caressa from British Columbia, Austin and Peyton from Shanghai, China, Rowan from England, Krish from Columbus, Ohio, Simon and Cecilia from St. Mary's, Pennsylvania, Inez and Greta from Bainbridge Island, Washington, Barbara from Knoxville, Tennessee, Paloma and Sadie from Oakland, California, Phoebe from Olympia, Washington, Audrey and Jeanette from Stafford, Virginia, Sadie from Toronto, Katie and Lucas from Ozark, Missouri, Lucy from St. Paul, Emmy from Malibu, California, Bowie and Harper from Minneapolis, Charlotte and Benny from Woodstock, Georgia, Oliver from Excelsior, Minnesota, Stella from Western Springs, Illinois, Liam from Newcastle, California, Isaiah from Adelaide, Australia, Andrew from Beaumont, Texas, Hadass from Berkeley, California, Kinley and Corbin from Maryville, Tennessee, Brent and Paige from Rio Rancho, New Mexico, Jackson from Vancouver, Cloda and Liam from Dublin, Paisley and Kaysen from Stillwater, Oklahoma, Aiden from Indiana, Zoe from Pacific Palisades, California, Benjamin from Ames, Iowa, Sam from Miami, Florida, Leora and Micah from Santa Monica, California, Liam and Amber from Melbourne, Australia, Delancey from Manassas, Virginia, Ben and Malcolm from Edmonton, Alberta, Vincent and Nicholas from Hoboken, New Jersey, Charlie and Avery from Maple Ridge, British Columbia, Dylan and Sophia from Ripon, California, and Juliet and Josh from Scottsdale, Arizona. Thanks for listening. 